Stories connect us as humans. A well-told story can motivate and inspire us. Storytelling is the ultimate superpower. Be The Drop is a weekly podcast that investigates how to tell stories that engage. Join me, Amelia Veal, on our shared journey to become better storytellers. In episode 247, founder and managing partner at Standard Ledger, Remco Marcellus, shares his personal insights on startup maths. Motivated to help entrepreneurs avoid the challenges and personal costs associated with his startup journey, Remco explains the key financial aspects to consider when raising funds in the startup process. He provides tips to help navigate the best outcomes for both founders and investors. This is Remco's version of Be The Drop. This episode was recorded live at Southstar in Adelaide. I've included a link in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about Southstar. Remco, thank you for joining me for the next episode of Be The Drop. Great. Thank you for inviting me along. Well, and I've invited you into the TP. We're here live at Southstar, which is really exciting. There's a bit of lunch noise going on in the background. So we've got a nice buzz. And you've presented this morning on startup maths. I'll be asking some questions about that. And you're going to inform me and the listeners at the same time on some of the ins and outs of that. But to get us started so we can just know a little bit more about you, I'd love it if you could share a story of a moment or an item or something that helps us understand your journey to be at this point now. Sure. Thank you. Now, I consider myself an entrepreneur and I've been in the space for many years. And, no, it was going on that journey that I go, if I can help other startups avoid that, right, understand their money, you know, access all of it in in ways that they can, that for me means that they don't have to go through that pain and their families don't have to. Yeah, well, that is a journey you've been on. And, you know, it's really great that you're then sharing your experience and insights to help other people avoid that. Because I think there are many of us, whether we're in the startup world or not, that understanding money, mastering money and knowing how to do that can be challenging. And then you add that layer of a business and a startup business, then that gets even more complicated. You know, whether you get investors involved, how much investment, what that looks like, what that means, whether your house is at risk. You know, these are big things for people to start getting their heads around and I think can be overwhelming. So before we go into the house and what's, where do we even start? Well, I mean, part of it is just understanding what business you're in, right? And have you got a product that someone wants? Are they willing to pay money for it, right? And if you don't have to risk your house or anything, don't. Sell some stuff, right? Make some money. And it just comes down to, at some stage, how fast you want to grow. There's no no reason to have to be the next uh, big Google. But if you are on that track, you're often faced with having to raise money in different ways. Yes, and growth requires capital. So we identify that, we go, okay, we want growth. And and I like that advice about how fast you want to grow. That's a good thing to go, okay, let's protect ourselves in understanding the speed of which we might do that. But then if we identified that there might be the requirement for raising capital, where do we even start with that? Like the bank isn't necessarily going to be interested in investing in startups. So tell us then, if the bank's not interested, who might be? Yeah, so I, I sometimes call myself a cash hustler. You know, while f- A, figuring out how much you need and then, you know, where can I get it from if it's not from banks? 
So there are grants around, right? And ultimately, there's, there are loans around, just not from banks, right? There are riskier loans. And then one of the funding options, ultimately, and that's what we we're talking about here today, was what it looks like when you're raising money from investors. And it's, it's the one that's most at risk for investors, so they're looking for the most returns, ultimately. And typically, you're faced with having to give up a portion of your company in order to you know, receive investor money. Yeah. Okay, so we've got to that point now and we've gone, okay, we're going to look at trying to secure investment funding. What do you think is some of the most important aspects that a person or a founder that's looking to raise investment capital what do they need to know, front, centre, foremost? What we were talking about today is really, some of it was just jargon, right? It's, as people are new to looking for investment, some of it's just, how does this stuff work? Right, so we, we fondly refer to it as startup maths. You know, simple concepts, if you've been in the startup world for a while. So we call it maths because if you are raising money for a company, you issue more shares. If you issue more shares in your company, as a percentage, you have less of your own company. And that is a pretty fundamental concept. So just trying to get your head around, oh, if I'm raising $100,000, I might have to give up 10% of my company. And ultimately, that's 10% of your future upside if your startup is successful. And then it might be more than 10%. You know, there, there could be scenarios where 10% is low. So... You've got the concept and you're understanding that there is a, a trade-off. You can get investment, but it doesn't come free. So it's what you've got to give. You know, how do you weigh it up? And obviously each business is going to be different, but what are some of the parameters you can use or the concepts you can use to help understand how much, like how much should you give? Is it just based on what the investor says to you? Where is the decision-making parameters? I like to use the phrase, you know, it's a negotiation between a willing buyer and a willing seller. Right? You're trying to sell a piece of your business, ultimately. You've made the decision. You're going to do it through equity, right? conscious choice first. And you're obviously trying to give away as little as possible. The willing buyer, the investor, is trying to get as much of your company, ultimately, as they can. And so you're trying to find in, in discussions with the investors, and hopefully it is a discussion, right? what's that middle ground? Right? So good investors, and these days you know, most of them are, are good, they understand that uh, founders still need a piece of the upside. Right? They still need to be motivated. Startups are hard. So if, if you don't own a good chunk of your own startup, at least early on, you may as well get a job. So trying to find that middle ground and often you're giving up between 10 and 30% of your company at multiple times. And that's the key that you, you are giving up. So you're ultimately trying to have what, what becomes a smaller piece of a pie that is worth more. Uh, yes, and that's, I suppose, the important part of the equation to understand. You're looking to increase the overall value so that while your piece of the pie might get smaller, the overall value gets bigger, so therefore you're your value from your piece of pie gets bigger as well. Yeah. So we use the example of Jack Dorsey, who's one of the founders of Twitter. When it listed, he only had 4% of the company, which sounds like nothing, but that 4% was worth $400 million. I think you'd, you could agree that that's you know, worthwhile, right? Yeah, I'd I'd be happy. I'm okay with that. Yeah, That'd me be too. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be okay with 1%. <laughs> like 100 million, that sounds all right. And so that, that was what we were going through. Those concepts today of just understand you know it's not personal right it's just maths right you're making conscious choices to to raise through equity you are giving up yes ultimately a percentage of your upside but it's a conscious choice right and keep working on the value and you know the percentage at some level becomes irrelevant 
I think it, it's so interesting because there's a couple of things and language you've just used then. Like it's not personal, it's just maths. But then you've also talked about conscious choice and that the founder needs to be rewarded because it's such hard work. So it is so interesting because it is maths. At the end of the day, we're just talking about numbers. But the, the founder's choice, this unconscious choice they have to come through, has to come with the heart and the head, you know. So understanding that giving a value to that is challenging is it then seeing it as pure maths does that help i think the best founders you know that i've met usually have a why somewhere right i've talked about mine before you know i, I want ultimately less impact on people when their families family in particular matters to me right and if I, through my why and in our accounting firm, we can help people right, and other founders go back to their whys and what they're trying to achieve, that ultimately means more to them and connects more with them and their, their customer base than the dollars. Sure, you want to make money at, at the end of the day, but the best founders seem to you know, focus more on the why and what they're trying to achieve for their, their customer base. And do that well and kind of the money it sounds strange but it looks after itself right if you keep giving good value the company is worth more the pie is worth more and you know, your percentage is smaller but it, you know it is also worth more as i said it sounds strange for a finance guy keep looking after your customers and keep looking after your people and and the money should look after itself yeah i mean i don't think it sounds funny for a finance guy at all because i think the dollars only matter if the people are there to get them, like, you know. <laughs> so yeah. if your founders are burnt out and dropped off, then they might have had the greatest maths equation implemented, but it, it didn't matter. So what you're saying is, you know, the best founders focus on their why, focus on their customers, focus on their people, but they also have these maths equations going on. Yep. So it's this counterbalance of the two. Now, something you mentioned before and I'd like to swing back on is around this idea of raising and then raising again because I think that that potentially may catch people out. They might raise funds and go through an investor raise but not realising that that's the sort of, that they have to do it again and that there's a giving up again. It must be an important aspect as well. Yeah, and again, that was what we were hoping to achieve today, That explaining that it, if you keep growing and you keep growing fast and faster, right, you are likely to keep raising multiple times. It's, it's pretty unusual in a fast growth company that you'll only raise one once and you're good to go. You go, I need more marketing, I need more people, I want to expand overseas. So kind of the acceleration just keeps going on. So explaining to founders of, yes, you will be giving up multiple times or even very early stage investors, right? Explaining to investors of, you've put your money in, there's likely to be more money coming after you. So not only are the founders gonna end up having less, early investors will have less as well. So, so we end up having discussions with early investors that are maybe new to the startup space of, it's quite typical, right? Your percentage will go down, the founder's percentage will go down. That's just the startup journey. Yeah, and is, and is that hard for people to sort of get their head around? But I want my share to be worth this. How does my share get less? <laughs> like, I still put that money in. You did put that money in. <laughs> and 
and that money is now worth more on paper, right? And so none of this really matters until there is some eventual, what they call exit, right? So, you know, if you're lucky enough, Google buys you or Atlassian buys you or whatever, and that's when everyone wins, right? Until then, yes, on paper, you'll see that it's worth more, but, you know, keep supporting the team either through, you know, actually providing services or providing more money. But yes, early investors go on the same sort of journey as founders. They're just not all in. And the other interesting conversation that I've had in this space is around knowing when for founders and startups that are growing. Knowing what that tipping point is, I've heard, you know, it's quite hard for founders and growth companies to understand. You know, is there something in the maths that can help with that? Because it's about that traction and continuing the growth, but without overdoing it? So with any small business, you know, it's, it's critical to keep an eye on the cash, right? A lot of startups you know, might do a couple of years with no revenue at all, right? And so you know, regular accountants are good at looking backwards, right? For us, it's all about looking forwards. When will ultimately that cash run out? What is it that we're planning to do? Okay, we're planning to finish our product here. We're planning to launch it along with a bunch of advertising six months down the track. Okay, six months out, we know we're going to need more cash. We need to probably start lining that up now. So often, you know, you're raising for about six, 12, sometimes 18 months with a plan to, you know, hopefully having enough runway before that to, to raise, right? So yeah, you've got to allow three to six months to kind of raise the next round. And so early on, because you're trying to raise just enough to survive, the more you um, get from investors, the more you give up. And so you're trying to you know, raise just enough to get you to the next kind of point. And it's a bit of a game of chicken of watching that cash run out. <laughs> and you go, right, I now need my next money, but allow enough time to raise that next round. And I've heard the story, like, or a similar version of the story so many times from founders, you know, that they they were looking at the money running out and they're thinking, are they going to be able to pay salaries? Were they, how many salaries could they not pay themselves? And, you know, these sorts of questions before they got to that critical point, you know, and unfortunately that's where the failure does come in. But those ones that get through and then they go on, you know, it's, it, it is a common story. Yeah, and, and it's why I always tell my yeah, shortened version, it, it's hard work. So if you're not up for it, right, I, um, just, it, or if you, you and your families can't take the risk, just don't do it because it's bloody stressful. And, you know, one of my worst moments was, you know, firing 20 people and then myself, right? And, you know, again, human impact of all of that. So as a startup founder, there's a lot of stress on you. Not only do you have to keep growing the business, but you're wearing the other people's lives that are around you. And, you know, Again, always keeping an eye six months, 12 months out. Can you raise more money? You know, as you're talking, it's this constant balance between understanding the mass, understanding the dollars, keeping an eye on the cash and realising the human cost and the human value and the human contribution in that. Like, and, and how much do you share with your employees, right? Do you want them as worried as you, right? Do you want your employees worried about the cash and their jobs and their safety? Because... You know, they'll leave, they'll not be focused, or do you try and hide it from them? You know, even if you're a, a really transparent company, sometimes it's in uh, everyone's interest not to tell the full truth of, you know, cash is going to run out next payroll, right? Yeah, 
so it, it really is a balance, you know, and, and looking at the dollars and balancing those dollars. So then for you, what is some of the most important advice that you would give to founders who are going through this process in in managing the maths, what are some of the top things we need to look out for? It really does come down to still all about that cash, right? And and having options. So entrepreneurs are you know always optimistic, right? Thinking things will turn out right, which is you know, why they choose to do what they do. But you know, have you got multiple options for keeping things alive, right? So I'm a kind of belt braces and a rope kind of guy. So you know, I'll I'll try and line up some investors. I'll try and go for some grants. I'll see if there's loans of any kind available what are all those options so you're not stuck with a single choice which then fails right and and so again entrepreneurs are good at figuring things out they were probably hit least hard in COVID in many ways because they're all used to thinking that way so making sure you've got those options and thinking creatively in a way is what you're saying being open to that might not work so what would a problem-solving approach to making sure there's cash options? Yeah, one of my best experiences in managing that in a way was one company where I was the CFO, we, we all agreed to take pay cuts so no one would lose their job. All right, and that way we all get to still be here together in six months. And you know, that, that worked out really well, but it was, it was openly sharing the problem and coming up with that creative solution, as you say, and you know, did wonders for morale at a very tough time. And and worked out really well. Yeah. Again, comes back to, we are repeating ourselves, it's the cash and human element combination. So I I feel for me, a theme of this startup maths has been know your numbers and keep your people in mind. Is there anything else that you think was a really important point that you brought out that listeners should be aware of? So when people are raising money, they get hung up on how much of their company they're, they're, they're giving up. Right. Try and go into those conversations as open-minded as you can. It's when you're setting a, a value for your startup. It's like putting a value on yourself. Right? Look in the mirror. Go. You know, we've built something of value. It's got lots of potential. It's not a bit matter of you know, here's the price from the investor, take it or leave it. It's like, have you got a true sense of of your own worth and value and what you're trying to build to go into that with a strong mindset understand that the investors are there to make money sure but trying to find that win-win ultimately so i think going to it with the right mindset i think is really important good advice well remco thank you so much in conclusion though i always get my guests to share their be the drop tip so be the drop is based on the saying that I like, which is a waterfall begins with one drop. So it's looking about communication and connection and how do we motivate and inspire action. What is your thoughts around that? What is your be the drop tip? I think it's been really clear on why you're doing what you do. Again, that start with why, Simon Sinek kind of thing, right? You started this startup for a reason. You were invited others to join you on that journey for the same reason do they believe in what you're doing you've then created something so this is the drop turning into the puddle then you get investors along who still you know are human as well right yes they're there to make money and you're you're there trying to grow something of value investors want to believe in your why as well and and believe that you believe it right so i think continuing to focus on what you're trying to achieve through that journey that's how you get the drop growing into the to the river. Yeah, and then the waterfall. And then the waterfall. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Be The Drop. 
Don't forget to subscribe in order to ensure you never miss out on one of our weekly episodes. Be The Drop is produced by Narrative Marketing, where we believe that stories connect individuals and that powerful storytelling can positively impact the world. To unleash your storytelling superpower, visit narrativemarketing.com.au or check out our social links in the show notes. To contact me directly with any specific comments you have, you can email me via amelia at narrativemarketing.com.au. And don't forget that whilst a task or challenge may seem overwhelming, a waterfall begins with one drop and look what comes from that. This is a Narrative Network podcast.